Welcome to Halftime Chat with me, Sylvan Gessie, in the change room made just for you by Bright Rock. On the field, Ryan Kovskowski, hope I said it right, is one of my favorite rugby players to watch. Deceptively skillful, fast, this former Springbok is still playing games. Kanko also reveals lessons learned in Japan about respect and why South Africa will always be home. Now, before we even begin, I've known this guy for many years. I've looked at his highlights package when we were younger, running on the field trying to step like him, because you know Mlungus can't step like this guy, but this guy you can see had black friends growing up. So listen here, help us with the pronunciation of your surname, Ryan. Kankowski. Kankowski. Is it Greek? What is it? <laughs> it's zero Greek. What is it? <laughs> it's Polish. German oh, wow. Polish. Like we should know the difference between <laughs> Polish and German. <laughs> Listen, so here it is. 20 Springbok caps, one try, 100 plus Super Rugby caps for Sharks. It's not your fault you played for Sharks. You won the 2009 Tri-Nation and British Irish Series. That's incredible. Played for Blitzburg and Commonwealth Games. That is quite, that's quite a CV, man. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Can't complain. You had a good run. Lots of fun. So you're not playing rugby anymore? I finished last year, um, Feb in Japan, best time of my life. I went over as a medical joker. And, um, you know, when I got back, body was a bit sore and I thought I'd just take a little break and, and, and see what happened. And I've been enjoying my free time. Mm. You know, it's been good to kind of relax, not have to wake up, eat this, train, you know, be on a schedule, be in school basically, you know. So mm. it's been nice to just have a bit of, you know, free time, spend some time with family and friends and relax. So before, we're not going to, let's not talk about rugby in the beginning. So how's the transition gone from being a single man? How's the change been from a single man who plays rugby to being a married man? How's that transition been? It's been cool, you know. Um, obviously, the last six years I've been dating. My wife and I all was dating before then. And it was quite easy because I was in Japan. You know, I was on and off. I was out of the country. only saw her for the odd month or two that side. <laughs> So it was a dream. So where, where did you meet? <laughs> uh, Durban, July. <laughs> massive party on our way out. Um, I was actually heading home. I had a massive night the night before, hanging. Six o'clock, I was like, guys, I'm out. I'm heading out. And then she was outside, also on her way home, boring as she wasn't loving yeah. it. And then literally stood there waiting for my brother. And she had met my brother early in the night. And I got on the phone. I was like, Jason, where are you? And she goes, Jason, blonde hair, blue eyes. So I was like, yes. She goes, oh, and we started talking. And then before you know it, four o'clock in the morning, had a good night and ended up, you know, seeing her a few times that week. And then before I know it, six years later, married. Oh, wow. Stuck for life. <laughs> and how's it been a rugby player and then move, changing over those lives? Because I, I mean, a, rugby, a lot of rugby players say the difficult transition between being a professional sportsman and a rugby player to being a family man. Um, I haven't found it difficult one bit, you know, like rugby is a part of your life. It's not everything, you know, it's a, it's 10 years or 12 years if you're lucky. So, you know, um, I had a couple of great mentors growing up um, that kind of pointed me in different directions saying, you know, what, rugby isn't everything. You know, it's, it's a massive part of your life while you're there. But, you know, there's a lot more than rugby. So... I was very fortunate and, you know, going to Japan kind of gives you that time to think of other things. You know, they don't care about media, they don't care about all the other stuff. All that matters is, you know, on the field and, you know, outside of that, you know, a lot of time to think and try and plan things and, 
My wife has her head screwed on properly. She's a CA, so... Ooh, oh, you're batting above your average. Way if, above my... If you were Zulu or Kosa, you'd have to pay extra cows for that. Baller for that. Oh, awesome cows. <laughs> okay, so you... I've been to Japan before. It's another world. You might as well have been in Mars. Yes. How was the change and the transition from going from South Africa, playing rugby in South Africa for Sharks, 100-odd tests, to moving to Japan where it's... It's another world. I, I don't think that gives it justice. It's oh, crazy. Oh, you've been there now. So it's, it's Twice. Crazy. You try and tell people what it's about and, you know, you've got to tell them they've got to experience it, you mm -hmm. know. So you tell them, I always tell everyone, it's completely opposite South Africa. Mm -hmm. Everything works. It's like, <laughs> it's true. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the craziest thing. They, they seem rude because they, they're always busy and going mm -hmm. somewhere. But if you ask someone for help, they're the most helpful yes. people. You know, and they'll take you around. So rugby-wise, I promise you I'll never forget arriving. Um, they make you feel like you, this massive pop star mm. arriving at their, at their club. Mm. They make you feel so welcome. I sat with the GM of Toyota Industries Corporation I played with or played for for five years. And he literally sits me down and says, Ryan, we do not care one bit about your supporters from South Africa that <laughs> support you in Japan. Like, that is not why you're here. You're here because you fall under as a Toyota employee. Um, there are a lot of factory members that are all part of this team. So it's a semi-professional unit, but you're playing in the top league. And we want our team to win because if our team wins, the employees that are part of that team are happy. The people that support those guys are happy. Mm. Therefore, our company's happy. Mm. It's a completely different outlook you know, <laughs> on, on sport. And yeah. It, yeah, it blows your mind, you know, so they don't care. If you want to have a piss-up during the week, they don't care. If you rock up on that day on Saturday and you play, your lights out. Mm. Even if you lose by 50 points, you know, that the GM walks in and says, Ryan, you know, we saw you give your best. Like, yeah. you tried mm. and we appreciate it. Thank you very much. How can we change it? Because for me, what I noticed when I was in Japan is there's no dustbins anywhere. You take your own trash. You take your trash home. I don't know if you noticed that. 100%. You take your trash home and you clean your own area, right? Yes. And when you're there as a South African, you get so influenced to do the same. It's the same as us in South Africa. If you go up the wrong way, if you make going up the wrong way a normality up a road, everyone's South Africa is like, ah, cool, it's normal. No, carry yeah. on. But how do you think we can change that as South Africa to be able to get closer to Japan? Because I think a lot of South Africans have experienced it there. Respect. Yeah. Comes down to one thing. One of the senior guys at my club when I got there he said, Ryan, if you want to understand Japanese culture, it's respect. He says, senpai, kohai, senior, junior, know your place. Mm. You know, they monitor all the rules, the small rules. Like, um, like they are serious crimes. You know, like if you, I'll never forget watching a, a person, we walking across a zebra crossing. They put their foot down, a car started going, cop pulls him over. You're not allowed to drive. If someone puts their foot down on a zebra crossing, you stop. Mm. They walk. Pedestrians, bikes, like cyclists, have right of way. Yeah. So they monitor all those small rules. Mm. And if you look at it like in a, in a team perspective, you know, if you let the, the little basics go, then the big things start going. Mm. You know, if you monitor all those small things like clockwork, everything mm. small is, it's a big deal. Mm. The rest kind of falls into place, you know, and they have respect for anyone. If whether you're the the street sweeper or a CEO in a club or anywhere in a business, mm. they all have respect for their job. They're happy that's their space and they give 100% mm. into that space. And I think we've just got used to you know, all the rules and breaking rules, you know. Mm. Um, 
it's, they respect the police. I mean, if you took one guy that's a bit dodged and you took him to that country, he'd have a field day because the mm. cops are going to walk up to him and say, stop, and the guy's going to just, you'll laugh at the guy. But because you're in Japan and you see how everyone else has respect, yeah. um, you've, you don't cross, you don't jaywalk. Mm. You know, you don't. You only walk across zebras. You only walk when it's red, uh, when it's green. Yeah. When it's red, you stop, even though there are no cars. Mm. You know, if someone touches that, if you're driving, they warn you. Like pedestrians have way in South Africa. If a guy wants to walk, you dare him. <laughs> so go for it, I dare you. I'm gonna drive over <laughs> you. You know, it's, it's a. <laughs> you know what I'm. It's, it's, yeah, a, yeah. It's, a, it's a different way of life. So do you think so in South Africa? Because I think a lot of people feel like sometimes in South Africa, the misconception is that you don't respect someone for them. Sometimes I feel like when I'm in Japan, they respect you for themselves as well. Yes. Because you're honoring yourself yes. by being respectful to someone else. If I help you, yes. you help me. It's yes. A, it's, it's, a, a, it's, a it's a circle. And that's what I feel there. What yes. I feel there is that sometimes you're not just respectful for him. You're respectful for yourself yes. as well. Uh, it's the same as how would the world be if you did everything that your mother taught you to do? If your mother was on your shoulder every day. Yes. Uh, I'll do my bed. I never do my bed. Yes. Uh. Still down. <laughs> I don't do my bed, but if my mom was on my shoulder, I'll do my bed every day. It's a special country. Yeah. As amazing as Japan is, I'm sure you miss the home. Always. You know, like, there's no place like South Africa. Mm. Um, Isn't that ironic how we can travel as much as possible, see the rest of the world, see how unbelievable the world is, but we still miss this country of ours it and is. how beautiful it is. You know, as, as much as, as amazing as it is, and the, as amazing as the Japanese people are, you know, everyone's the same. Mm. You know, there's no black, white, mm. Indian. Mm. Everyone's Japanese. Mm. Everyone has black hair. Everyone has this. It's like, it's like a massive thing of just, you know, from work and stuff. It's like ants. You know, black suits, black tie, yeah. white shirt, and there they go. You know, it's we've got so much in South Africa mm. from. You know, we just get exposed to everything. Mm. Um, we have the, I don't know, we have the friendliest people, the best summers. Mm. It's, you know, you go there, you love it, um, but home is home. Agreed. And, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's start from the beginning. Like, where did the bug bite you, the, the sportsman bug? When did it change and you knew that you were going to be a sportsman for the rest of your life and you were good enough to do it? Because a lot of kids were like, I want to be a rugby player. But when did you know that this is going to change my life and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? And another thing, what, um, I'm going to add this into the question, you, your, your particular style of playing, I always loved watching it. It's the same as I loved uh, Brits when he played. I, I love people with flair. What does that influence? Was that you growing up in Durban playing with the Zulu boys? Because you always had flair, you were always stepping, you were always going there, running around, doing things. Yeah. How did that, what affected your, your style? Because oh, this was about the beginning. Yes. When did you know you were going to play a rugby player and what affected your style of playing? You know, it's a great knew. question. So, nice. that, so that is a great question. Um, I never knew that you know, rugby was going to be you know, my career. Even when I left you know, senior school. It was like... St. Andrews. St. Andrews. You Which know, St. Andrews? I, St. Andrews in Grahamstown. Oh, good. Oh, those you kids know. are so cool. No, dude, it was, you know, and growing up, you're talking about stepping and the whole thing, you know, I was at Queen's College Junior in Queenstown. Queenstown? I was in Queens. How did uh, that happen? Yeah, my family, that's where, I was, that's where I grew up, you know, born in Port Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> the armpit of the nation. <laughs> yeah. And then grew up in Queenstown. Um, you know, I can remember stepping and, you know, having fun on the fields. Yeah. 
And so your your upbringing influenced your style. Definitely, Eastern you know, Cape. And then I went Eastern Cape, hundred percent. And then I definitely think Queens played a role. And then going to St Andrews, it was running rugby. You know, it's 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 all about counter or letter. You mm. know, attack or yeah. if you can't give it to someone else, you can. You don't kick. <laughs> kick it away. You don't Fast kick. It. <laughs> you know, you don't kick. You run. Emuli Skopni. It was running rugby, yeah. and that's what it's all about. And we had fun at school and. You know, when I, when I still left, you know, um, I still didn't believe that, okay, you know, rugby is going to be my career. Yeah. Played at St. Stephen's Rugby Festival, was invited to the Sharks Academy. You know, I went there. I still, you know, I loved rugby. I had so much fun doing it. It was just, mm. you know, it was just fun, fun, fun. And, you know, even when I made the box and stuff, it was still like, okay, mm. you're still just having fun. You know, mm. it wasn't a thing. And... um but I would definitely say, you know, style definitely from, you know, Queens, St. Andrews, and then, you know, loving running with the ball, then actually going into seven setup, I think that helped me so much. Um, just gave me so much time on the field in 15s, you know, sevens is so quick. Mm. Um, then coming from that into 15s, mm. I just felt like I had so much time and it was fun. You know, I, I, you know, most of the time I was always smiling on the rugby field. I was just loving it. So what are your what are your biggest influences that changed your life in rugby? Or just in life in general? Who changed your life? Who who changed the trajectory of your life? Who transformed your life? Like there's always three or four people in your life that you can look back and go, that person, that person, that person. They were big influences in my life. Wow. Because um, you didn't mention mentors earlier. No, you know, um, you know, there, there are quite a few scenes. We're lucky at the Sharks. You know, I had a guy, you know, Warren Britt that kind of helped me, you know, realize about, you know, I'll give an example. He, we went down a street the one day. Not, not was, up the wrong way. The, no, no, the right, 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 right way. Right, right, right. And, you know, he pointed at a couple of houses and he's like, this rugby player used to own this house. This guy used to own this house. This guy used to own this house. This guy used to own this. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, why? He says, well, you know, you come to the Sharks, you earn, let's say, a million rand. The guys would come here and buy a five million rand house, you know. But rugby only lasts ten years. Your bond's twenty, you know. So, who knows how long you're gonna be at the Sharks? But then they end up not even owning their own house by the time they finish rugby, you know. So it kind of, you sit back, okay. Well, now you need to, you know, think of things differently. Try and save what you have. Try and use it to make more money because rugby's only ten years. Mm. I mean, and back then, if you had a ten-year career, you're extremely lucky. Mm. You know, now, fair enough, they're probably looking after people a lot more. Um, so you can stretch that career mm. out a lot longer than, than we did back, back then. Um, <laughs> Inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my dad, I definitely say, played a big role because he never forced me into sport. Mm. Um, played over 100 games for Eastern Province, you know, back in the 80s, I think 80s, early 80s. Mm. And, you know, going everywhere, everyone knew him, a winger. Um, so he never forced me into any sport, but he always backed me no matter what I did. Yeah. You know, so whether it was cricket, rugby, you know, athletics, I've, you know, I just try everything. And, and you know, fortunately, a lot of them, you know, worked out. I had fun. Mm. You know, I tried everything at, at school and rugby just seemed to work out. You know, okay. I loved it. It was just part of me. Mm. Okay, you spoke about money. 
where did you learn to handle money? Because I think that is the biggest problem that sportsmen really struggle with, is handling. Like I'm, I'm watching Sia at the moment, and Sia's getting a lot of help from Jean de Villiers. He's getting a lot of people assisting him because he's getting a lot of opportunities everywhere. And you realize, I'm a township boy. Me, Sia's a township boy. We, we, we don't, we didn't have very good influences when it came to yes. money. Who was your influence when it came to money and handling money and being able to, because you're talking about bonds and you're talking about all those yeah, kind of things. Yeah, I say parents, you know, um, a lot of the stuff is also trial and error. You know, um, like my mom and dad kind of said, you know, you, you get your first paycheck, you want to buy the best car. You know, and I'll, let's say a BMW M3, 1.4 million, cool, I want to buy it. Not then, a Mustang like yours? Nah, you know, it's an old one. <laughs> <laughs> it took me eight years to realize that it's a waste of money and get rid of the bloody thing. You know, um, but, you know, why go for that when you can take a step down for something that's half the price? It's still a very nice car, but, you know, why overdo it? You know, fair enough, you, you, you train really hard, you work really hard for your money and you should enjoy it. But, you know, us as rugby players, you're your earnings spike. You know, you earn more than a lot of the CEOs earn in massive yeah. businesses. But they only start earning that after 20 years yeah. of work. You know, we earn it after, if you're lucky, after two, three years mm. of playing rugby. But then you go from earning massive amounts to zero. There's no help from the union to say, cool, mm. we'll put you into this, this, this. You know, look after the guys after rugby. There's nothing. You know, it's all about your connections, how you treated a few people while mm. you're playing. You know, being able to pick up the phone call because as soon as you stop playing, people forget about you. Oh, agreed. Like those same people that used to sponsor you and say, cool, we'll look after you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Two years after rugby, pick up that phone, they don't, don't answer. You know, they don't, mm. they don't really look after you anymore. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough out there, I think, for, for a lot of sportsmen because it's, I don't know, if, if there's someone not really guiding you, you think you actually, everything and one injury can mm. change it all. You okay. know, um, so yeah, I was very fortunate. Parents did help me out. You know, as I said, Warren Brits, a few rugby players kind of make you realize that, you know, as quickly as you got into that position, one injury, mm. someone else can take your space, mm. you know, your little spot. And, you know, and time, you know, you can only do it for so long. Yeah, agreed, yeah. So what, what are you doing now for work? What are you doing, what income now? Cause unless, hey, if, you, if you've made it to a lady who's uh, quite, uh, you don't need to work for the rest of your life. Oh, my my retirement annuity is coming to fruition, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely, <laughs> you've married rich. <laughs> um, you know, as I said, you know, Japan was very good for me. Um, you know, I went over there, I've, I met a few people in South Africa in the property game. You know, I, I saw a lot of people lose money in, restaurants, coffee shops, and, you know, trying to start these businesses. But if you, if there's any money involved in the business, you've got to be there, mm. you know, from start to finish, mm. because as clever as you think you are, there's always someone that's clever that will clean you out mm. slowly but surely. So, you know, property seemed like the, the safest bet to me, because even if all hell breaks loose, you've still got a property, you know, it's still worth something, even if it's half its value or a quarter mm. of its value. And, you know, I met a, a guy Dave from FWJK, it's a quantity surveying firm, and they did a lot of developments where they put a lot of stuff out to tender, they come in a lot cheaper, and you know, it's like crowdfunding, you know, into developments. And I got into a couple smaller ones, and you know, some we built are sold, some are built to keep, and you know, touch wood, most of them are rented out at the moment, and you know, it's it, it looks after me at the yeah. moment, so I can afford to kind of sit back and think, you know, about mm. what, what I want to get into. Um, you know, as I said, my wife's finishing up at Deloitte now. She's going to Conman for a few months. So I kind of given myself. Conway? 
on secondment. So January, I moved to Malta for four months. Yeah, so when you finish Deloitte, you can kind of choose anywhere in the world where there's a Deloitte and you can go work there for as long as you kind of want to. And she wanted to go to Malta for three months. Where's Malta? Europe? In the middle of the Med, just off the, the boot of Italy. Okay. You know, she wanted a bit of an island vibe where she can travel Europe, you know, every weekend. So she's going to work for three months and spend every single cent over those three months, you know, traveling. Are you going um, as well? Of course. <laughs> I mean... I paid for her for now. She's gonna be paying for me afterwards. So I'm definitely claiming it. Um, yeah, so that's that's the plan. And then once she gets back, I think she's found a job here in Joburg that she's really passionate about. And then, you know, once we've settled and decided that, you know, Joburg's it, then I'll you know try and you know take my time and find something in Joburg that you know a new passion to kind okay. of put my whole soul into. And and you know, it's a new. New beginning. So are you still involved with sharks? No. So you're not doing anything? Because I, I always hear that a lot of sharks people say you have to leave the sharks to come back to do any other coaching. Would you ever get into coaching? You know, I, I've, I've kind of said to myself, you know, I'd, a lot of the guys that I've seen that have left rugby, that go back into coaching, you know, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, they, they need money or, you know, it's like it's a job. You know, if I get into coaching, I want to, hopefully be set up afterwards and I want to do it to help you know so I want to go to school I, you know I wouldn't mm. mind you know helping people that you know need an academy no academy who knows you know um, I'll definitely do it to help people out mm. not you know if obviously money comes along with the bonus but mm. um, yeah I'll definitely consider it mm. okay so rugby property married going to Malta but you're involved in gaming. Now, gaming is quite a, an industry that is growing very, very, very fast in South Africa and in the world. A little young guy won $3 million the other day for just playing games. Fortnite, yeah. And you're in gaming a lot. How do you get involved in gaming? What is the thing with gaming? Why aren't you playing rugby games? You are not playing rugby games. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, you know, I'm big into there's a lot of different platforms you can play on. You know, these days you can play on your phone, you can play on Xbox or PlayStation. Um, or Nintendo and all those, but then you also get PC gaming, um, and that's kind of what I'm into. Um, full-on computer setup, online headset, nerd, swearing, nerd, nerd stuff. At people, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, full-on nerd. You know, I've always loved gaming since I can, you know, since I can remember. It's been you know computer games, and I, I got to meet a couple people through different businesses in Joburg. Obviously. Rugby's helped get you in a few doors, and a lot of them. Before you carry on, a lot of rugby players like to mention that, but th playing rugby opens a lot of doors if you really treat those people well yes. before. You can't be a box, Afrikaans translation, and then want to be the nicest guy ever after rugby. Exactly, it's it's like anything. It's you know opening the door and you know not always asking people for stuff. Mm. You know, a lot of guys meet a guy and they're like cool I want this you know can I get this please help me with this but they actually never give anything back agreed you know um, they try and take advantage of a lot of things and you know you pick up that phone to phone someone and you know they don't answer whereas you meet a lot of big CEOs they've made it in the business world you know they're spring bucks in their field mm. um, and they can never no matter how much money they have they can never pay to get that Springbok badge on their yeah. chest. You know, they'll, they'll never be able to mm. earn it, no matter how much mm. money they have. So a lot of them kind of, 
want to spend time with rugby players. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they want to, you know, the guys that have made it and, you know, be able to spend time with you. And, you know, you can pick up the phone and phone guys and organize a coffee with someone that would have to spend months, you know, trying to sit at the foyer to before yeah. they even meet 10 people below yeah. the guy. So it does definitely have its benefits, you know, um, and you've got to, you know, you've got to give back, you mm. know, you've got to spend time you know, giving back to those people. And, you know, that's kind of how I got involved with gaming. I got asked to come to a couple gaming ex expos. Um, I ended up playing in a team with a few guys. It's a fun, you know, he, a friend of mine has a, a gaming corporation, if you want to call it, called Energy Esports. And he said to me, listen, come fall under our little team, come get a couple of your mates that you normally play with and, you know, come take part in a few competitions. And we were actually quite good. You know, we, we won a f one or two little, you know, weekly tournaments, um, but we always finished in the top couple teams and it was lots of fun, you know, and I just, you know, it's a different, it's a completely different world. You know, you walk into some of those expos and you see a dad walking with his son and then he stops and looks at you and he's like, like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> You're a rugby player. Why yeah. are you at this gaming thing? I said, well, you know, not only nerds, you play games, you know, everyone, it's a thing. And then you open his mind, mm. you know, to the fact that, you know, gaming isn't some guy sitting in a little dark hole playing, mm. you know, it's Dota 2 is a competition where the winning five guys can win $30 million in one competition. You know, it's it's growing. South Africa is generally, they say, 10 years behind everyone else in this sort of field. And, it, you know, it needs a couple of massive companies to kind of get on board, but it's growing. And it's mm. it's another whole field um, that I am actually passionate about and I, I love spending time in it. I've never been a gamer. I just play Snake on Nokia. <laughs> but, um, you still have a Nokia? No, I don't. <laughs> I just found it funny when you say Nokia. <laughs> Don't stop. Uh, stop. <laughs> I'm sure my Nokia from 10 years ago is still charged. Um, what's your game of choice and how competitive are you when it gets to gaming? Um, extremely competitive. I think if you're a professional sportsman, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, you want to win. Yeah. You want to be the best. Um, it's, yeah, I can, whether I'm playing foosball with my wife or <laughs> something, you know, I, I can't handle doing something and not actually trying to be the best yeah. at it. You know, you've got to, it's, drives me mad um, but game of choice I definitely say is Dota 2 okay. um, it's a five man team it's a pretty team thing you know you have to work together if one guy doesn't work together you get smashed so it's pretty you know to explain it's kind of like chess mm -hmm. a lot of different pieces you can pick from that counter each other and it's the same sort of map and it's 5v5 and it can take anywhere from you know, 15 minutes to an hour and a half, you know, to, to play one game. So it's and, the test cricket of gaming. Yeah, and it's, it's never the same. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same map, the same sort of heroes, but every game is different. So, you know, I love it, put many hours into it. And well, now that I'm married, I've kind of had to <laughs> take a bit of a back seat. But it's, yeah, it's good. I had lots of fun. Wow. Nice, man. Yeah. La last question <laughs> is, they say... Change is always inevitable unless it's a vending machine. <laughs> and they always say, play the bounce. And you've played rugby all your life. You know yes. that the ball bounces. You never know which way it can go. What does change mean to you? Yeah, I'd say probably being alive. You know, if you don't change, you're going to die. You know, if you don't grow, um, you're just going to stagnate. You know, you'll be stuck in a, 
the same position. You'll never get any better. Um, yeah, I think change means growing, you know, and, you know, whether it's learning or, yeah. Maneuvering. Yeah, it's, I'd say change is definitely growing, literally just being alive. Eh? Yeah, and I'm sure, like, being a rugby player, you've had to adapt to rule changes, you've had to adapt to style of play. Going to Japan, I'm sure you had to change a few things, change your food. Hey, your lives are crazy, guys. I, my life is crazy, <laughs> but I've really enjoyed interviewing you, brother. Chat all the time on Instagram, we share funny things. It's been a pleasure to get your insight. Thanks, so thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Ciao, bye. Thanks, cheers. And that was Halftime Chat with me, Sir Nyesi, in the change room made just for you by Brightrock the first ever needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. For more episodes, subscribe to In The Change Room on Iona FM, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen.